So sometimes when we come up here and we start these messages, we want to do something fun. We want to do something crazy. We like last week we poured a we we lit a steak on fire just randomly to for a drama and things. And and sometimes we like to make sure that our messages are fun. But for the next two weeks, we're we're doing a series called Mind Games. And the next two weeks, we're going to be talking about some very serious subjects. And some people will say, ah, oh, they're middle schoolers. They're not going to be able to sit still long enough for you, able, for you to guys to be able to talk to them. You're not going to be able to, to get them to sit and listen to this information, even though it's something that they really need to hear and can affect them even at their age, they're probably not going to listen. But we decided we're going to give it a shot because we think you are ready. We think we can trust you guys with this information. We think that it's important that you guys hear this information. And so for the next two weeks, our series called Mind Games is going to talk about two very important subjects that we think is a big struggle, not just for adults, not just for high schoolers, but we think it's also something that is a big struggle for middle schoolers. And those two things are depression and anxiety. Now, tonight we're going to be talking about depression, and next week we're going to be talking about anxiety. So if you have a friend who you know is struggling with this stuff, if they're just kind of are anxious all the time, make sure you invite them next week. The stuff that we're going to be talking about is so crucial for them to be able to hear this. Now, depression. We all get sad sometimes. There's, there's things that make us sad. We have a, a bad day and, and all, you know, or something happens. We watch a show and something happens and it makes us sad or, or somebody says something that hurts our feelings and it makes us sad or, or we lose a loved one and it makes us sad. And, and there is sadness and it's okay to be sad. It's, it's not a sin to be sad. It's not wrong to be sad. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes that there is a time for every activity under heaven, a season for everything. Sometimes there is a season to be sad. But depression isn't just being sad. So depression kind of, it's like sadness is how it starts. And you're going, okay, I'm sad, but I'm going to feel better tomorrow. I just need some sleep. I just need some good food. I just need something to be able to climb out of this. And, and the things that normally would pull you out of that sadness don't. All of a sudden, it's sticking with you a little bit more. You're going, okay, usually, you know, like, I feel better after a couple days, but for some reason, that thing or that, that feeling just kind of is looming over me like a, like a dark rain cloud just hanging out. It isn't as temporary. It doesn't feel like I'm just sad on the outside. It starts to feel like, man, this sadness is kind of settling in inside. And depression is something that can and does happen to people of all ages. And I've never been diagnosed with depression in my life. I never went to a doctor and they said that I had depression. So I am never going to say that I have clinical depression because a doctor never told me I did. But there were seasons in my life where I remember that dark cloud, where I, a, a sadness happened and it kind of settled in. And we want to make sure that we're talking about that tonight. Now for depression, there's a couple reasons or ways that depression can come about. One of those reasons is just biological. There might be something wrong just in your body that is causing there to be depression. There's something, a chemical imbalance in your brain. You've got too much of one hormone or not enough of another. Your diet is consisting of way too much caffeine and way too much sugar and not enough sleep and all of a sudden your body can't recover, your body can't generate, your body can't fix itself and so sometimes the reason why depression comes about is because of biological reasons. 
Another reason is sometimes it's relational. When we have a relationship that isn't right in our life, maybe it's with a parent, maybe it's with a sibling, maybe it's with a best friend, and sometimes that, that, that relationship, and if it's not right, it feels kind of like that dark cloud looming over you. You're wanting it to get better, but it's not getting better. Maybe it's even a loss of a loved one, and you're going, I am sad, and I know I should be getting better, but it doesn't seem like I'm getting better. So biological can be a reason. Relational can be a reason. Another reason is just circumstantial. There's some kind of thing that's happened in your life that's making you sad. Your parents split. When my parents split, I was your age. And I don't remember a lot about what happened but my, because I think I was in some kind of depressed state. And I don't remember a lot, but when my parents tell me, they go, you might have been depressed in that moment. And so there's uh, circumstances of your parents split. There's circumstances of stress. You've just got too much going on in your life. The weight of sports and school and trying to keep up with friendships and all of these things all of a sudden makes you stress or depressed, maybe even injuries. Now those are three ways that the experts would tell you, the medical experts, biological, relational, or maybe just something happened in your life, circumstances in your life. But there is a fourth one, and that would be what we pastors would call a spiritual reason for depression. See, the, the truth is, is that the devil's main mission in life is to steal, kill, and destroy. That is his purpose. So why don't you think that he would want to steal your happiness? He would want to kill your joy. He would want to destroy your hope. Sometimes the depression that's going on in your life is just an attack from the enemy. Ephesians 6.12 says, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in this heavenly place. I don't know if you know this, but when you accepted Jesus into your heart, you said, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I know that you died on the cross to forgive me for my sins and give me a home forever in heaven. And you said those things. You also signed up for a fight. You signed up for a fight because now you've basically switched sides. You went from the dark to the light, and now you are on God's side, which means you now have an enemy who, like we said earlier, wants to steal, kill, and destroy your life. And so you have to be ready. And sometimes the enemy doesn't fight fair. He pushes that sadness where you are sad and you could just be sad and get better about it. He wants to push and further and make sure that you get stuck in not just sadness, but now it starts to creep into maybe it's some kind of depression. He wants to twist it with guilt and shame when you're sad and going, I shouldn't feel this sad this long, but I don't want to get any help. He wants to twist all of those things because he wants to destroy your life. So these are the reasons so what is depression and, and, and how can we get over it? Well, to help us and give us some insight on this stuff, I've asked Jenny to come and share her story. And what is so special about Jenny's story and important for you guys to know about Jenny's story is she was your age when all of the things that she's going to be talking about happened. And so Jenny, your story really started at, at, at the same age as them. And so why don't you tell us a little bit about it? So there's a saying that God will never give you more than you can handle. But in 2013, I went through a season in my life that made it feel like God was just seeing how much I could go through before I hit rock bottom. Let me explain. I had the most amazing grandpa in the entire world. He was the most caring, selfless man I have ever known. There's a picture of him. He's the best. 
he was my best friend. We played games together. We would cook together. He would dance with me in the living room. He showed up to absolutely every single concert and game I had. He was my biggest fan. In December of 2012, my grandpa got diagnosed with brain cancer. And in March of 2013, the family said their goodbyes. And a couple days later, he was gone. When he died, I was heartbroken. I was up at a church camp and remember getting the call that he was gone. And I was devastated. I wasn't even there when it happened. That made me feel like a terrible human. A month went by, two months went by, three really long months went by, and I never became okay. I was stuck in the heartache, I was stuck in the pain, and I couldn't get out. My parents were youth pastors at the time, and I went to church every Sunday in youth group every week, so I should have been okay, right? Yet I never was. Nothing ever changed. Now we're going to fast forward six months to March, or August 31st, sorry, of 2013, the date that changed the way that I would have to do life forever. I was now a seventh grader at Mountain Garfield Middle School, and I was a teacher aide in PE class. Now, I'm not sure if this is something that schools use anymore, but when I was in middle school, there were crates like this, but they were really big and had big metal lids on them that didn't stay up by themselves. And my friend and I, who was also an aide, were doing, um, they were doing a basketball unit in PE class, and we were in charge of getting the basketballs out for everybody in the class. Well, my friend was holding the lid to the crate while I was getting basketballs out, and someone called her name. Then she dropped the lid, and it fell, hitting me on the back of my head. I got sent to the nurse's office, and very quickly, my vision started to blur. I became extremely nauseous, and I had the worst headache of my life. My mom decided to have my aunt come pick me up from school just to be safe, and within about two and a half hours, my vision became so blurry I could hardly see. I couldn't remember my name or even re-explain what had happened to me. That day, I got what they call a traumatic brain injury, and I ended up having to spend a couple of days in the hospital so that they could keep a close eye on me. When I finally got discharged to go home, I had to be in a dark room with absolutely no stimulation for two weeks. This meant that no lights could be on, that all of the curtains had to be covered, or all of the windows had to be covered with blackout curtains, and that I couldn't watch TV or even listen to music. I just laid there, day after day, night after night, alone. Now, my family would come lay with me at times and checked on me frequently, but ultimately, I felt completely alone and isolated. I ended up losing all of my short-term memory for about three months, and honestly, I was completely unrecognizable. I couldn't remember my full name most of the time, and I couldn't do anything by myself. I had to relearn some basic life skills as simple as just writing my name and balancing not on one foot, but on both of my feet, so I wouldn't stumble and fall over when I walked. I'm not kidding when I say it was a 12-year-old girl walking like a one-year-old that just learned how to take their first steps. I was a mess. I was still trying to get through the loss of my grandpa, and in my time of mourning, the last thing that I wanted was to be alone. But because of the brain injury, I was forced into literal darkness and isolation. I felt like I was in a deep, dark hole. Like I would scream, but nobody could hear me. Like I was on the outside just looking in, watching my life happen, but I couldn't do anything about it. I felt alone, like no one could understand. I felt helpless. This is when things took a turn for the very worse. I began to have thoughts like I'm just too much of a burden. It would be better for my family if they didn't have to take care of me anymore. I began to wonder if my friends would ever even miss me because of how far I had already distanced 
and isolated myself from them due to the brain injury. I thought that because I was a Christian and I had a relationship with Jesus, that I shouldn't be or that I wasn't allowed to be depressed. I would hear things like, well, if you just pray more, God would surely help you. Well, maybe you don't have enough faith. You should just start believing more. Um, God's probably trying to teach you a lesson for something really bad you did. And this one, just ask God to help you. You'll be completely fine. All of these comments, all of these thoughts made me spiral down even more. That dark hole just got deeper and deeper and deeper to the point I started to self-harm. I had scars, so many of them. But I made sure to hide them so no one would know. I thought instead of people caring for me, that I would get in trouble and people would be mad at me for the way that I was feeling and the harm I was doing to myself. So I kept quiet. I remember when I was finally allowed to go back to school after being gone for so long, I was having a conversation with one of my friends. She was telling me some things that were going on in her life and how depressed she was. She told me that no one would care if she was gone, so why shouldn't she just call it? Why shouldn't she just take matters into her own hands and be gone for good? I thought to myself, finally, someone understands what I'm feeling. Someone finally gets it, and there's no way that she can be mad at me because she is feeling and thinking the exact same things that I am. So I opened up to her. I told her the thoughts I was having, and for the very first time, someone knew about my self-harm. It felt good for someone to finally know what I was going through. And because she was feeling a lot of the same things that I was, I thought we would be able to help each other. Yet even though talking to her about it seemed to help in the moment, she couldn't give me the wisdom and the advice I needed to help me get out of the hole. Because ultimately, we were stuck in the same hole. Only now, we were in it together. I needed someone who would show me love, yet help me get the help that I so desperately needed. And as much as I wanted that friend to be that person, she couldn't be. I specifically remember this one night after my sister's orchestra concert, where I was finally going to make the call. I was going to take my nighttime sleep medicine, and I dropped the bottle, and the pills fell all over the counter. I remember picking them up and just holding them in my hands. So many thoughts flooded my head. From my grandpa's death to the brain injury and the dark hole and the isolation I found myself in, in one minute, it could all be over, I thought. The pain would finally be gone. And maybe, just maybe, I would see light again. But then, I heard my family walking up the stairs, and I knew I wouldn't have enough time before they saw me. So I put the medicine back in the bottle, and I went to bed. The next day, I felt worse than I ever have. I felt so alone, and I just needed someone to know. I just needed help. But again, I was terrified. I didn't want to get in trouble, and I didn't want to be judged or laughed at for the way that I was feeling. So I was in class that day, and I saw that friend that I had been confiding in, but we weren't sitting anywhere near each other. But I was desperate. I just needed someone to know. So I wrote her a note, and it said, I was so close. I had the pills all in my hand, and it was the perfect time. But then I heard my family up, coming up the stairs, and I couldn't. In the midst of me desperately trying to give her this note, the teacher intercepted it and read the note to herself. After class, that teacher walked me to the counselor's office, and later that day, I was admitted into Mindsprings Hospital to get help. To my complete surprise, my parents weren't mad, and they didn't think that I was a terrible person. The teacher wasn't mad at me, and the counselor didn't judge me. Instead, they all just truly wanted to help. My parents' hearts were broken because I was so hurt, and I was so broken, and they couldn't 
realize it was as bad as it was. My mom just laid and she cried and she cried with me because she just wanted to do anything she could to help me stop the pain that I was feeling. I was in Mind Springs for a whole week and I got clinically diagnosed with depression. Every single day during visiting hours, I had so many people come see me, from my parents and my siblings to my grandparents and even my youth pastors. I remember one of the girls I was in Mind Springs with asked me a question and she asked me why I felt so alone. She said, you have been in here and day after day you've had so many people come see you. And you tell me you love Jesus, so doesn't that mean that he has to be there for you too? She told me, I have been in here for a whole month and I've not had one single person. And I don't even know who God is or even if there is one. Hearing this, I realized how convincing the lies of the enemy can be. And when the Bible says that he comes only to kill, steal, and destroy, that it wasn't a joke. It was also at this moment, for the very first time in a long time, I realized that I did have people that cared and that God really never left me. The thing that I want us to learn from Jenny's story is, is it's not always just one thing that causes us to end up with this depression. It's often one thing and then something else happens. But I think what we tend to do is, is we, something happens that we are sad about. And a loss of a loved one or, or any, anything else in our, in our life. And we go, I'm sad, but I don't want to deal with that. And so rather than looking at it and going, and going to God for help in that moment of sadness, to, to talk to somebody about that, we go, I don't, I don't really want to deal with that. And we, we push it aside. And, and we, instead of listening to that feeling, because the sadness is an emotion that God gave you to say, hey, it's, you need to deal with something. That, that sadness is a red flag going, hey, 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 something's wrong and we need to fix it. But instead of going, yeah, let's fix it, we go, ugh, I don't, I don't want to deal with that. We push it aside. And to, in order to not think about it anymore, we hop, hop on TV or hop on YouTube or, or hop on social media or, or start, start Snapchatting our friends or, or we, we start get into a book or we, we do something to not think about it. And, and in that moment, we push it aside. But well, then the problem is, is if we don't deal with that one and the next one comes and then the next one comes and, and now all of a sudden we have this sadness and now we have another one that we're trying to just push aside. And all of a sudden we've got all these things that we never dealt with. And it's like they're in a closet and, it, and it's busting at the seams. We're trying to hold the door and all of a sudden one more thing happens and the doors bust open and the flood of that comes. And now all of a sudden we're not just sad. It's not just a little sadness. It's a big depression going on in our lives. And so what's so important to help us, and, and so Jenny's story, she kind of started with the loss of her grandma grandpa. And then it moved on to this injury and then it moved on to this isolation and it moved on to thing after thing after thing. And what's so important, guys, is to not just push down those, un, like, those uncomfortable feelings in our life, but is to address them. And what's so crazy about Jenny's story is it really kind of had all of these causes of depression. Biological, we think like you just hit your head and you lost your memory. All of a sudden now your brain is not right and now all of a sudden we see that that, caught, that that didn't aid in helping her be able to deal with that depression. Relational, like she lost her grandpa. Now all of a sudden she has that hurt in her. We see that the circumstantial, because of the injury and all of these things, she's stuck in a room in the dark for a couple weeks. And then that spiritual aspect of it, the enemy was all over that with the guilt and the shame of her going, I can't go get help because they're going to be mad to me, mad at me. 
which was just a straight lie from the enemy to get her to keep her from getting the help that she needed. And I just want you guys to know that the feelings that you have, that you are capable of having very big feelings, and they are valid. And, and you shouldn't just hide them, and you shouldn't just push them aside. You need to deal with them. And sometimes dealing with them means getting help. Now, Jenny was honestly very lucky, blessed. God's hand of protection was on her life. She didn't want to get help. She got, God intervened and found that teacher to steal that note out of her hand and read it and save her. And guys have been in ministry a long time, and I'll tell you that there are some students in our past that didn't get the help and that they, they weren't, that, that, that no one else intervened the way they should have and they took their own life because of a depression that they were experiencing. I don't want that to be any one of you in this room. I want you to get help. I want you to go to someone. And if you're not a person who's struggling with depression and one of your friends comes to you and says, hey, I'm having these feelings, I'm feeling sad, I'm feeling depressed, I'm having suicidal thoughts, your only response needs to be, who can we go to to get you help? That should, be, that should be, I'm so sorry you're feeling this way. Let's go get you help. That is not a secret we keep. That is not any, and if, and if you're going through the same thing, you need to go, you need to tell somebody else because I can't help you because I'm in the same boat. But get help. Here's the truth. I would much rather, any of us pastors would much rather have some kind of late night DM from you saying, I'm struggling, I need help, than some, and you come to us for help then somebody else messages us saying that you didn't get help and you did something very dangerous to yourself. 100%, we would love for you to reach out to us if you are going through these problems. Now, Jenny, you got help. God intervened in your story and he gave you help. You were in Mind Springs, the mental health hospital. They got you diagnosed with depression. They got you, but now you're heading home. So did you just go home and, and, and you're fine from then on? What, what happened? The short answer is no. I wasn't just magically okay. I left the hospital and I still felt depressed. I was still in the dark hole. There were things I couldn't do and situations that I needed to keep myself out of. The difference was is that I knew I had to get up and that it wasn't okay to give up. That even though I felt hopeless and like life isn't worth living, that with God there is always hope and that he gives and speaks truth in life. Realizing that God is always there and never left me, gave me hope. And it made me lean into him and tuck into him even more. But even in doing that, I didn't instantly become okay. I didn't instantly feel better. But you know what? I got up. I needed to put in the work because no one else could do it for me. So that's what I did. I went to counseling every single week. I forced myself to go to church even if I didn't want to or necessarily feel like that God was on my side. Some days were extremely harder than others. And those thoughts were still creeping in. But I got up. I confided in my parents and my youth pastors, and for the first time in a long time, I confided in Jesus. I did not magically become okay overnight. In fact, I battled depression for about five years. And I was put on medication during that time to help me navigate life. Not every day of those five years were the worst days of my life, but not all of them were great either. But I fought. I got up each and every day, and eventually, I got better. After five long years, I was finally able to get off the medication I was taking, 
and I began to live a normal life again. So this is what I want to say to you. Get up. Keep fighting because you are so desperately worth fighting for. The enemy wants to do anything he can to take you out. So don't let it happen. Get up, no matter how hard it is. Isaiah 41.10 says, I've picked you. I haven't dropped you. Don't panic. I'm with you. There's no need to fear, for I am your God. I'll give you strength. I'll help you. I'll hold you steady and keep a firm grip on you. Guys, I know how hard this verse is to believe at times. I know there's times that we feel like God's not holding us and that he has left us. I know it's hard to believe, but he's there. And I know my story is completely different from anything that you may have experienced or maybe you're experiencing in this very moment. But I want to assure you that you are not alone, no matter how deep of a hole you feel like you're in. God is always right there just waiting for you to tuck into him, waiting for you to ask him for help and lean on him. You just have to let him in. The pastors and the volunteers here at 4640 are also always here for you. We care about the smallest things and the most devastating things that happen in your life. We're here to help fight right alongside you and celebrate alongside you when that breakthrough happens. You are not alone. Something that I needed to hear that I believe with my whole heart that you need to know is that it's okay to have those hard days, but you can't isolate yourself in them. Know that you can have good days even in the midst of depression. And it's okay to find laughter in those days. That just because you may have depression does not mean every day of your life will be depressing. So the moments that make you smile, smile. The moments where someone tells you a funny joke or you watch something on TV, laugh. Because it's okay to have joy in the midst of our pain. That's why we have Jesus. He brings light into the darkest of seasons. So when those days come, Claim the joy in that day. Please, please hear me, students, when I say that just because you are battling depression does not mean that you are depression. Depression is not your identity. It is not who you are or what you are defined by. It is just a battle you have to fight. So don't claim it. Don't wake up and say, well, I'm, gonna, I'm depressed, so it's going to be a depressing day. Don't wake up and just claim that over yourself every morning. Instead, fight it. Say, no, I may have depression, but that's not who I am because God calls me chosen and free. Know that asking for help is not a sign of weakness, but it's a sign of wisdom. Know that you have people who love you, who will not judge you, and who want to help you fight because they know that you can't do it alone. Know that you have to get up, and it's not okay to give up. Know that your emotions and your feelings are valid and they are true, but they are not permanent. They will change, and you will get to the other side. But in order to do that, you have to get up. You have to fight, and you have to let others help fight right alongside you every step of the way. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you so much. I thank you that we always have a friend and someone that's with us because you are there. I thank you that we don't have to claim depression because you've set us free. God, I pray a sound mind over each and every one of these students. I pray that they would be able to feel your peace going through each and every day. And I break off the spirit of depression and I cast it out in the name of Jesus and I say, no more, you are not welcome here. God, I ask that you give us the courage to fight each and every day, that we would get up, that we wouldn't give up, that we wouldn't throw in the towel because things are hard and we're 
upset God, but we would get up each and every day knowing that the battle is worth fighting because in the end, we're going to have an awesome story to tell. And you're going to use what we've been through and our pain to reach other people. God, I ask that you bless each and every one of these students as they go this week. And we thank you so much for everything that you're going to do in our lives. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the 4640 Student Center Podcast. For more information on what's happening in 4640, you can check us out on social media and at our website, 4640gj.com. Service times are Tuesday and Wednesday nights. Hope to see you there.